Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. To invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3. Ezekiel, chapter 3. We will begin reading from verse 17. Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. Knowing that God's Word is revelation, it cannot be understood through education alone. It must be spiritually discerned. According to the Word of God. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So it's not through education and intellect alone. It is through spiritual development that we understand and perceive the revelation of God's Word. Knowing this, Shall we pray and invite the Spirit of God to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge, wisdom, understanding of all things that pertain to life and godliness? Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you in Jesus' name for your written holy word. Thanking you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We also thank you for the Holy Ghost whom thou hast sent to teach us, to direct us, to guide us into all the truth to direct our spirits, and to illuminate our minds. As an act of our own will, we on purpose set ourselves to receive from your written word as it is taught and spoken. Our ears are anointed to hear, our hearts to receive, our minds to be open. And Father, I thank you that my lips are anointed to bring forth in demonstration of your spirit and power the word unadulterated, in an uncompromising fashion. That our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his sins, or his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, 
he shall surely live because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. The other night, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, The hour is at hand throughout all the land that a decision must be made. Friday evening, I was just laying down. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, inside my spirit, the hour is at hand throughout all the land that a decision must be made. It was clear. It was distinct. Just as clear and as distinct as any other time before. When that more authoritative voice of his spirit spoke inside my spirit. And as I just laid there, the Spirit of God began to cause a stirring with inside my spirit and a yearning with inside my spirit. And of course, even though it was quite late, I guess I've learned to know better. Don't try to go to sleep at a time like this. Act upon those yearnings and stirrings that are within thee. So I got up, I got my Bible, got a pencil, and a tablet, the tools that you need. Don't think you're going to remember everything that God says to you without writing it down. We miss a lot of what God says because we fail to write things down and make notes. And that's why I always encourage people to take notes. Amen. Did you come to learn this morning? I've always learned better by taking notes. Well, I got my Bible, my pencil, and my tablet, and I began to write as I was led. And, of course, I also realized that I would be delivering this message to you this morning. So I took my cue from what he had spoken, and I just got the title to the message, and it's very simple. The Hour of Decision. The hour of decision. And the Spirit of God directed me to the book of Ezekiel. Now I have to, I have to make a confession. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. I have to confess to you that he tried to get this message over to me a few weeks prior to this. But you see, I wasn't as yielded. But of course, you've never been there. I wasn't as yielded to the Spirit of God as I was Friday night. Because, you see, I was going in a different direction. I had another train of thought. You know, and God let you go out there for a while, and I was teaching, you know. And the thought came to me. See, we have to uh, determine whether or not our thoughts are rising up from within our spirits or coming from without. As to whether or not they're of God or just something that you just mustered up in your own little brain, you know. And so it came to me, but I kind of ignored what was being said. And when you don't pursue spiritual things, see, faith is a very tender plant. If you don't pursue spiritual things, when you should pursue spiritual things, then you could lose it and it could become indistinct. 
then you walk off and say, well, that must have just been me. I must have just been imagining this. God doesn't really want me to do that. And sometimes all it takes is just a simple phone call. You know, that's all. And you're away from the Spirit and you're back in the natural and you miss out on what was spoken or what was said or what God would have you to do. So if you're not as yielded to the Spirit of God as you should be, you can miss out on things. Yes, He'll give you a chance, you know, to to get it right. And I'm sure more than one. Thank God He is a God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. But, you know, He only goes so far with you if you wait too long, then you, you've had it. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. You've had it. You're going to miss out. God will have to go to somebody else. That's all I mean. So the first time I confessed that I did not listen as carefully as I should, and so I was not as yielded as I should have been, and this is maybe a little bit delayed, but still it's going to be brought forth. And as I yielded myself to the Spirit of God, He began to direct my attention to the book of Ezekiel, and this is what He did way back when was in the book of Ezekiel, but I just, uh, like I said, I just wasn't yielded enough. And he began to witness to my spirit that he wants me to issue a warning to the saved and to the unsaved alike. Doesn't that sound like fun? Don't you just love that? Sounds like a picnic, doesn't it? I want you to issue a warning to the saved and to the unsaved alike. Drew my attention to... Ezekiel and these particular passages of Scripture where the word of the Lord came unto the prophet saying that I've made thee a watchman and I want you to warn the righteous and I want you to warn the unrighteous or the wicked. Now to warn means to give advanced notice, to inform beforehand. To warn means to give advanced notice. To inform beforehand. For an example, you recall that when it was determined through laboratory testing that cigarette smoking is dangerous to your health, it became mandatory from the Surgeon General that a warning be placed upon each carton or package of cigarettes so that the people would be informed beforehand so that the people would know in advance that if they chose to consume this product that they can end up developing cancer in their body. Well, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They issued the warning. And once they issue the warning, then comes the time of decision. What will you do? See, for many years it was an acceptable thing to smoke a cigarette. As a matter of fact, it was a classy thing. And no one realized the dangers involved. But through research and through study and concern, they found out that it's dangerous, that it can cause cancer. So they issue this warning, they inform you in advance that if you consume this product, you are endangering your own physical well-being. And so the hour of decision comes to you. 
if you use the product before? What will you do now? It's your life, yes, but what will you do? You have a decision to make. You have been warned. You've been informed beforehand. You've been given advance notice. Will you continue or will you stop? Another illustration, we could say Pennsylvania Department of Transportation began work on a certain bridge on a certain highway. And so they began to post warning signs along the highway. And the signs reads, bridge out, 2,000 feet. Bridge out, 1,500 feet. Bridge out, 1,000 feet. And so on. Well, they informed us in advance, beforehand, that the bridge was out. Now, you can choose to drive, to drive down that road if you want to. I mean, the decision is yours. If you'd like to go through the barricade there and just ride right on down that road, you certainly can. It might be late at night, no one's out there working, and just got a little flashing sign there that indicates to you that the bridge is out. But go ahead, if you want to drive down that road, you certainly can, can't you? Now, I don't know about you, but I believe the average person would not continue on that road knowing that the bridge was out. That they would heed the warning signs and signals and turn around and go in another direction. Unless, of course, the individual intended to commit suicide. Now, let me give you one more illustration. You might be driving in your car or sitting at home, and all of a sudden, a bulletin flashes either across your television or comes on the, the radio, and the news reporter warns you that the National Weather Service has issued a tornado warning. And so you tune in, because you see, they've got your attention now, so you tune in and you begin to listen and it says, well, there's been a tornado that has touched down in Allegheny County. And so we have issued a warning and it begins to name all the other different counties and of course you will listen to determine whether or not your county is included. Now, what they did was they issued a warning. They gave you information in advance, beforehand, so that you know a certain event is about to take place. Now, would to God they had devised some, some way or some means of allowing people to know exactly where that tornado is at the exact time, and then somehow they can calculate the exact direction or the path of that tornado and inform the people who might be in their homes or in their houses in advance that a tornado is about to blow your whole town apart. Rip your house right off the foundation. Destroy the shopping center, center in the way. How many of you viewed all the damage that that 
last tornado did here in the Beaver County and up in Mahoning County in, in, in Ohio. We went by both places and it, it looked like a battlefield. It absolutely looked like a battlefield. Like a war had taken place. Well, you see, if there was a way to warn these people in advance as to what direction that tornado was going and actually call out the streets and let them know, then the hour of decision would belong to them. What are you going to do? You say, but that's my house. I don't want to lose my house. But what's more important, to lose your house or to lose your life? You'd have to make a decision to evacuate or to do something else. I don't know, maybe stay there and die, whatever you want to do. Nevertheless, they did their part. They issued the warning. They issued you the warning. They gave you information in advance and they let you know what was about to take place beforehand. And now the hour of decision is yours. What will you do with it? How will you respond? How will you react? Well, in verse 7 to 18, rather, I want you to notice the warning that was issued by the prophet unto the wicked or unto the unsaved. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. Who said that? God. God said to the unrighteous, God said to the person who's not saved. There are many ways I can say it. God saying to the person who's not born again, washed in the blood, saved, redeemed, whatever you want to say. Whatever terminology you want to use. He says, the wicked. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. Now notice, and thou givest him not warning. You don't give him that information in advance. If you don't warn that person in advance. Now, this first part of this message, and I pray that we can get to the second. But in the first part of this message, I want to say that it's, yes, to the non-believer. If someone is here this morning and you're not saved, you're not born again. Yes, the message, of course, is directed to you. But also, if 99% of us are all born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, there's still a message to you for the non-believer. Because I really believe the best means of advertisement is still word of mouth. This will better equip you when it comes to letting other people know what God has said and leading them to Jesus. It will help you. So it's a message, yes, to the non-believer, but it's also a message to the believer for the non-believer. And, of course, it's going to determine some things in our own lives also as to whether or not we obey. He says, you ought to warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way. And so let me just put it this way. This is the way I wrote it down. That... The message I am to issue, the warning that I am to issue today is unto the unrighteous, to the person who is not saved among us. 
There is a hell to shun. And there is a second death to fear. If you do not repent and come to God, you will die in your sins. You will be eternally lost. The first place of your departure will be hell, where you will be under indictment, awaiting judgment, and then the final judgment will involve being cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Now, you know, as I thought about that, and I thought about speaking that forth or saying that, I thought about the various different ways I could do that. Because it sounds so dynamic. God spoke to me Friday night. And He spoke to my spirit and said, I want you to issue a warning unto the righteous and unto the unrighteous. And I, and I begin to think about that. How will I say this? Will this be some kind, will there be some kind of supernatural, spectacular, I mean, fire out of heaven event that's going to get a hold of people, their minds and their hearts and shape them into believing in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that what I am to do? Then I thought about a news reporter. And I said, well, how does he report the news? How does a news reporter report the news? Especially when there's a bulletin. I still, at this particular point and period in my life, have never seen a news reporter go into a wild frenzy because there was a tornado in the area that he had to report. Have you? You think about that. He didn't pull out his hanky and say, oh, I want you to know down the road. Oh, Lord, bail me out of this. <laughs> he didn't do that. I've seen one try to be a comedian about it. My goodness, turn on the, you know, there was a particular station and this fellow was supposed to give the weather and he's ringing a cowbell. And I'm thinking, what are these people trying to do? These news reporters are becoming comedians now. Evidently, they don't think people are listening. Evidently, they're trying different ways and means to get a hold of the attention of people. Right? And then I kind of wondered, well, what's happened when it comes to preaching and teaching? Do we need to have a display, I mean a wild display of emotions to get a message across to intelligent people? Do we need that? Is that necessary? I'm not saying that we don't get excited about the things of God and give off a shout or a yell or whatever. 
But I, in particular, I'm talking about when you preach a message to the to the lost, to those who are who are really doomed for eternal damnation. Is that what we ought to do? Is to go crazy and to go wild and to do all kinds of things just to get a hold of their attention? I thought about here's a way I can do this. Here's a way I. I I'll tell you, and this one it really struck me as a little bit funny. The first time I ever came across... Now, please, you're going to have to forgive me. I love every single one of you. But the first time I ever came across a Christian assembly church, this is the first time I was ever exposed to the uh syndrome. Do you know what the uh syndrome is? Do you know what that is? Here's a way to get this message across, I thought. (laughs) Maybe this is the way to do it. God uh, has uh, instructed a Mia to tell you uh, and I just I was just sitting in the pew and I'm listening. And all of a sudden, I didn't, that was, that was before, you know, I even went to school at Ramah. Well then, the time I spent there in Ramah, I was away from the Earth Syndrome. But then I came back. <laughs> and if, not only in Christmas Assembly, but even in, in some of, some of your Assemblies of God. And I said, my goodness, what is this Earth Syndrome? Where has this, you know, come from? How has it been developed? And I must, I just sat down last night, just, I don't know what you do, but I'm sitting down meditating about some of these things because, believe me, I'm not making fun or sport of because I realize that people get to a point, really we have our limitations. And I began to see that people get to a point or to a place of frustration because instead of going down and choking it into them, you ever preach to somebody who just won't listen? Their heads are like cement. Thoroughly mixed, well set. You try to let them know that you've got to be saved, that you're eternally lost, and you're going down the highway the wrong way because the bridge is out, 2,000 feet ahead of you, and yet you're going down. So you issue them a warning, and they just keep going on their merry old way. Just driving down the highway with a cigarette and a tornado off to the left. Then he stops, pulls the car over to the sign. Someone stood on the sign and said, Can I help you? He pulls his car over to the sign. And the fellow says, Yeah. You know what Jesus are? Jumps in the car with him. No, see, I can, I can just see, I can just see the frustration coming out of people. Because they can't get people to listen. You see, they know it's not right to choke them. Because see, that's against the word of God. They know they can't smack him across the face. Because, see, that's against the Word of God. You can't do that. How can we get this message through that head of cement? How can we get this message 
into them because we love them. It might be your brother, your sister, your father, your daughter, your son. You love them so much, you don't want them to spend eternity in the lake of fire. You've got a message burning within your heart. You've got the love of God just pouring out of you. You want them saved. How do you get that message into them? So you try everything. The us syndrome. Nothing short of going down there and just shaking them. I, I was say I was just this is come on I have my own thoughts. I was just thinking about how this developed in Pentecostalism. And as I was meditating about this, I says, I figured this all out now. See? Pentecostals, I mean others believe that when you go out witnessing the people out there on the street, you're supposed to go by twos. And one fellow supports the other fellow. You know. And one gives the message of salvation real nice, and the other one just stand back there praying. Well, when it comes to Pentecostal, see, we do things differently. The reason why we go out by twos is because the one goes and lays hands on him, the other one's back there to catch him in case he falls. <laughs> Amen. I'm just having a little bit of fun here this morning. Is that okay? So I began to think about it. If I shout it, Lord, if I use the ascender, should I take a cowbell up there like that weatherman did? I'll get everybody's attention. One fellow brought some guns up and began to shoot them up in the air. Preacher did that. Walked down. He got everybody's attention in a quick hurry, just like that. Of course, he had blanks in it, but it did the job. Does it matter how I get your attention? And I said to the Lord, we can't smack him, we can't shake him, we can't knock him in the head. What are we going to do? How will we get this message? I can issue the warning, but how can we get it inside them? And there's something important that he spoke to my heart and said to me, he said, listen, just like a news reporter, his responsibility is to report the news. His responsibility is to issue the warning. It's the content. It's the content of the message, not necessarily the delivery. It's the content of the message. Because let me make it a little bit more personal. You're driving down your street on your way home. You're listening to your radio. Maybe you don't have a cassette player, and maybe there's nothing playing on the Christian station, and so you just have a, another station on, and you're listening to easy listening. And all of a sudden, bulletin, special announcement, the National Weather Service has issued a warning, tornado warning. And you listen to this announcement, you can't see him. You can't see what he's doing. He's not screaming. He's not shouting. He's not crying. He's not going crazy. All he's doing is issuing a warning. He's using words to intelligently give a message to you. And he says this over that radio. Now, this is, of course, with advanced technology. Allow me once again just to do my own thing. The National Weather Service has issued... A tornado warning. Or to a tornado has been spotted in such and such a place. Which is about ten minutes away from your house. 
And because of our advanced technology, we can tell you that that tornado is going in this direction and it is going to go down such and such a street in about seven minutes. And it will wipe out every house on that street. So we are issuing to you a warning. In particular, those of you who live on that street. It is the hour of decision. And you're driving home. You're driving home from work. Your wife is in the house with three children. You're about a minute away from home. Seven minutes, your whole street's going to be wiped out. This is advanced technology now. You're at the hour of decision. Do you know what? I didn't have to scream. Do you know why that man didn't have to scream? Because he got your number. He called your name. He pointed out your house where your family resides. Now remember, we're talking about non-believers. You're not going to have any faith in God to, to tell that tornado to go back up in the sky where it belongs. You're faced with a tragedy. You've got six minutes to do something about it. And so you make it home as fast as you possibly can, and you get your family inside the car as fast as you possibly can, and you say, forget the house and the belongings. Our lives are more important. Let's get out of here. I was warned in advance. Just think if he wasn't listening to the radio broadcast and just pulled in the driveway, went inside the house and sat down to a nice meal. And within a period of six minutes, every single one of them were lying dead. He said, it's the content of the message. Start calling out names. When people realize that you mean them, their house, their lives, then you don't have to shout any longer because you've got their attention. You've got their attention. They've got to make a decision. It's the content of the message. I don't have to scream it this morning. I don't have to shout it this morning. I don't have to use any kind of syndrome. All I have to do is say this, my brothers and my sisters, and for those of you who are out there who are not saved, this morning, I must issue this warning that if you are not saved, then... You must know that there is a hell to shun. That there is a second death to fear. And if you don't repent and come to Jesus, to God the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, be washed in His blood, then you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That is the warning that I am to issue this morning. If you're not born again and you die, now someone says, well, I don't believe that. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I don't believe that. You know, it doesn't really matter if a person believes that or not. Because it's going to happen regardless. You could have turned off that station. 
and said, he issued a warning coming down my street. I don't believe that. Well, go ahead. Just sit down right there to your meal. And that's it. Six minutes later. It didn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's going to happen. Shall the doubt and unbelief of man make the faith of God of none effect? God said to tell the sinner that if he doesn't turn. See, the warning is issued by the reporter. We are reporters. But God is the one. He's like the National Weather Service. He's the one where the, where the message originates. And he says people must be warned. People must be told. That if they die in their sins, they will spend an eternity in the lake of fire. I could say it this way. I am a news reporter. And of course, we report good news. You say, what good news can come out of this? I'll be honest with you. No, it wasn't good or great that that tornado was coming, but it was good news the man found it out, wasn't it? Because he found it out, he could do something about it. He was warned in advance. He had advance notice. He was instructed or informed beforehand so he could do something about a tragedy that was about to occur. He knew he would lose his house. But thank God he spared his life, his wife's, and his three children because he got out and went in another direction. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. Here's the warning. Every single person alive, should Jesus tarry, is going to die. Yes, there's a storm coming. Yes, it's going to take your house. Your body is your house. Do you see that? There isn't anything you can do. Like there wasn't anything that fellow could do about the loss of his house. Because the house was going to be taken. But he made a decision to get the family out and spare his life. There isn't anything any one of us here can do about the fact that we are going to lose our physical house here upon this earth. A storm called the storm of death. It is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, no second chance. But after this, the judgment. You cannot escape this storm. You cannot run from the storm of death, physical death. But the good news is this, because you've been warned in advance, because you've been informed beforehand, because you've been instructed, you've been told that everyone's going to die someday. You can do something now. This is good news about saving your Life and your families. You can do something about sparing your life and your families. 
See, the hour of decision is come. People throughout all this land have got to make a decision. A warning is being brought forth from every direction. I believe the trumpet is sounding. And I really believe, my brother and my sister, that many, many are being brought to a point of decision. I mean that. You say, how do you know? Many lives are running out. You know that? People are dying like flies all around us. Some of your family members are departing. Amen. People are being brought to a place or a point of decision. Their physical house is going to be destroyed. The Bible says in First, Second Corinthians chapter 5 that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were destroyed, we have a building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And he's talking about the building of our spirit. Man is an eternal spirit being. He will lose his physical house in which he lives. But thank God the good news that we have to report is that the issue or the warning has gone forth. And you don't have to lose your life. You don't have to die and go to hell. You don't have to fear the second death. You don't have to be separated from God for an eternity. Amen. You can come to Jesus by making a decision. Well, did you choose to quit smoking or didn't you? Well, did you choose to continue driving down that road or didn't you? Well, did you choose to get your family out from that storm when we're in Florida? There was a storm warning issued. A fellow ignored it, went out working in his yard, and was struck by lightning and, and went into a cardiac arrest immediately. They revived him twice on the way to the hospital. And when he got there, I don't know the end of the end of it. I don't know the end of the scenario. That's all I heard. But the reporter came on the radio afterwards. You know what he said? People were warned about the lightning. I don't understand why people won't listen when a warning is issued. Preachers get frustrated just like I'm sure they get frustrated too. We tell them not to smoke, they smoke anyhow. We tell them not to go down this road, they do it anyhow. We tell them a storm is coming, go inside the house or protect yourself or whatever you need to do, do it, but they don't do it and they get struck by lightning. That's what he said. Why won't people heed the warning? Why won't they listen to what's being said? And so an effort to do this, to get this message across, to get a hold of somebody's attention. Do you know what people do? Preachers do. And I, tell, I just can't blame them. They start screaming. Because they can't choke. They start shouting. Because they can't pull hair out. I've questioned myself on this. How did Jesus minister? He taught the Word. 
preaching, teaching, and healing. How do you get their attention? Through the working of miracles. He called their name. He told the woman of Samaria, he said, uh, this one's not your husband, and the others weren't either. You've been living like this for all these years. You know what? It hit home. It was her house. It was her life. She went back. She made a decision. Do you see that? When the content of the message pertains to you, then I've got your attention. In other words, when you realize that he means you, John, Mary, Joe, Bob, when it's your house that's going to be destroyed and you've got to make a six-minute decision to do something about sparing your life, then you're back into a corner. What will you do? Now, if I have time to do this, I want you to see something here with me in Acts chapter 17. Would you turn there with me, please? This message, this warning, I am giving for another reason. Because, as he told the prophet, that if you don't warn the people about this matter, then I will require their blood at your hand. And saints of God, listen, we are all responsible to issue this warning. We are to give this message of warning to the people who are around us. We are to let them know that there is a hell to shun. We are to let them know there is a second death to fear. We are to inform them that there is a heaven to gain. And that they don't need to be destroyed. And their lives don't have to be separated from God throughout eternity. Because the scripture says that if we don't do it, then of course, God's going to require their blood at our hands. He says, but if you give the message, are you ready? Are you listening now? If you give the message in Ezekiel, and they don't listen... They will still die in their sins, but you are delivered. And their blood will not be upon you. Do you know what? That sounds like doubt and unbelief to me. You know when I read Mark 16, 15 for the first time, it was like, this is doubt and unbelief. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. I don't want to hear that, Lord. He that believeth not, I can win them all. Sometimes you think you need a baseball bat. But I can win them all. See, if you don't think the thing through, then you forget to realize that God made each person a free will moral agent. And they have the right to choose whether or not they'll go down that road and fall off. Whether they'll smoke that cigarette or not. Whether they'll heed the warning put out by the National Weather Service or not. They've got their own mind. 
It's not our responsibility and duty to slap them across the face, to pull their hair out, to hit them in the head with a baseball bat, to try to shake some sense into them that way. Because physical violent force is not going to do it. It will cause them to be rebellious. Don't you think I have to say before God and said, Father God, there has to be a more effective way to minister Line upon line, precept upon precept without offending people because someone offended is harder to be won than a strong city. There has to be a way. And my brothers and my sisters, it's just a way of, of giving the word, the truth. Because you see, the word also teaches us not only that mankind outside of, of Christ is doomed and damned. It also teaches us that there are various different attitudes among the multitudes. And you want to write these down because these are just some. But you're going to come against and up against these people. And if you're here today and you are can be classified in one of these three, my prayer is that what is being said will cause you to think so that you could recognize where you are at and what you are facing. And that the hour of decision has come to you. And behold, this is the accepted time. Not tomorrow, not some some year down the road. But this is the accepted time of salvation right here, right now. Today. There are various different attitudes that exist among the wicked, as he God called them. But we can call them the lost. And number one is this. We can classify them as neglectors. In Acts chapter 17, Paul was preaching a powerful message at Mars Hill. I don't believe he used any syndrome. But I believe he intelligently communicated God's word. They may have been bored. But, are you ready? Those who were interested, he had their attention. Number one, the neglector. Number one, the neglector. He preached to these people. He shared the truth with them. In verse 30, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17.30 no lightning out of heaven, like in the days of Elijah. He intelligently communicated to these people the way of salvation and finalized it by saying that God has issued a warning. He has winked at the ignorance of men, but now He's commanded all men everywhere to repent. Because He hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, Jesus Christ, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Number two, mockers. Number one, neglectors. Number two, mockers. And here's the, here's the neglector. And the other said, we will hear thee again of this matter. Yeah, like next week sometime, right? Maybe ten years down the road. 
Anyone ever tell you, oh, that was pretty good stuff. I'd like to hear it again sometime. Yeah, you never see him again. Well, if it was so good, how come you don't want to hear it? They are neglectors. They put it off till tomorrow. There are mockers. And we'll talk about them. But also, and time won't allow us, but very very quickly, you're, you're close by. Romans chapter 10, just write it down. We'll get these three written down at least. There are rejectors in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They were the rejectors. So we have neglectors, mockers, and rejectors. And Jesus said, you issue the warning. Preach the good news. Have you ever considered the fact that you are a news reporter? And the same way that news reporters intelligently give the news, report the news, is the same way that we as ambassadors for Christ are to intelligently report the news, the good news of the gospel. They report a lot of bad news. Very few times will you ever hear good news on a news report. But we give out the good news. We may issue a terrible warning. But you see, that warning is good news to the person to whom it is given. If you're being warned that your house, which is your body, one day will be annihilated, wiped out, destroyed. And I shouldn't say annihilated because that's that's not true. Not annihilation. The body will be changed. Transformed. But wiped out, destroyed. You will die physically is what I'm saying. Just like you could lose your house here upon this earth. Then you, and you've got to make a decision. Then the good news is, God has made provision so that you can make that decision to come to Jesus. And even though you will lose the earthly house of this tabernacle, you need not lose your spiritual life, which is eternal. You can be saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, and live and reign with Him throughout the eternal ages. But the neglector, now let's get back to him. The word neglect means to give a little, to give little attention to. To give little attention to. To leave undone or to leave unattended. Some the devil has caused their minds to be so blinded to the truth that they become neglectors. They don't give attention to. What that news reporter say? When we give the other report, how come no one pays attention? Or, if the warning was issued for Butler or for Allegheny County, and possibly Beaver County, how come no one gave attention? Or they took it lightly. Didn't give it a whole lot of attention. Now that's what happens in people's lives. And if you're in that class, I want you to listen. 
How did you get there? There could be various different ways. Number one could be like this. You're a neglecter because you think that you're not good enough to be saved. You think that you've got to clean up your life, you've got to clean up your act before you can come to Jesus Christ because you want to be a perfect Christian. You are a committed person and if you make that commitment to Jesus Christ, you don't want to fall, you don't want to fail. And so you keep putting off your salvation from one day to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, believing that someday you'll be good enough to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. That is a neglector. Someone who is deceived by the devil into thinking that that can possibly be done. You could never be good enough to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Good works will never get you in to the kingdom of God. You will never ever get to a place in your life that you can live a Christian life before you become a Christian. That is an impossibility. It has no substance to it. But yet so many fall victim to the snare of Satan. They've been informed of the gospel message. They've been issued the warning and they know what would happen to them if they died today. But they don't make the decision because they think they've got to become a better person. And they end up being a neglector. And they neglect their salvation. You know, all a person has to do to spend eternity in, dam- in eternal damnation is to do what? Just to neglect salvation. That's all. Just neglect it. Just go to church and do nothing about it. And it doesn't matter whether you come to this church or not. Do nothing about your salvation and, and a person goes straight to hell. We've got to tell these neglectors out there, listen, if you're in that, in that, if you can be classified in that category, listen. The only way you can even begin to live a Christian life is by being born again. It's by becoming a Christian. It's by getting saved. And then when you get saved, believe that the God that saves you is big enough to help you make it through life. And don't be a neglector any longer. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die, but once and after this, the judgment. So behold, this is the hour. This is the accepted time. This is the moment of salvation. And the hour of decision has come to you. Make your choice. What are you going to do with your life? You don't have time. See, there's another reason. A second reason, various different reasons we said, is... You've got time, the devil says. You can live on this earth for 50 years, do your own thing, live the life that you want to live, and then maybe on your deathbed somewhere down the road, then accept Christ so that you have to do anything for Him. So your wild oats right now. And many have fallen into that category. And they are classified among the, the neglectors. They neglect their salvation because in the back of their mind they have these thoughts. I'll just do it somewhere down the future. I'll go out and commit my adultery. I'll have my affairs. I'll commit fornication. I'll go out there and and enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. And then, I'll get it right. But you see, that's a neglector. And that neglector is deceived by the devil. 
And if that neglector doesn't hear the truth to make him free, that neglector could find himself in the midst of a storm a lot sooner than what he thinks. So what do we do? Do we get a baseball bat? Do you get two Pentecostals, one to get in front and knock him in the head, the other one to catch him when he falls? Sometimes you'd like to, but what do you do? Why? Because you want to be mean? No, because you don't want them to go to hell. You want them to fall off the bridge a hundred, hundred foot drop and, and, and get killed. You don't want that. Well, what's the difference? We don't want them to go to hell. So we try to shake it into them. We try to, you know, slap their faces to get it into them. Do something. Maybe get these, you know, marbles to roll in the right direction. And then you get to a point of frustration. You don't know what to do longer. So you start screaming and shouting and doing everything, using every energy you possibly use to get them to have their, their understanding open. See, but those things don't work. You've got to get before God in prayer and let the Spirit of God break through all that. You've got to talk to these people intelligently and let them know that the bridge is out. You've got to let them know that today is the accepted time. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. We are not against the non-believer. We are for them getting saved. We're just to issue them the warning. Where's time go when you're having fun? So the neglector has got to be told, this is the hour. How many of you have got neglectors in your family? I want you to raise your hand if you've got neglectors in your family. Oh, dear Lord, dear Lord. See, they're that way for a reason. And these were just two of the various reasons why they can be neglectors. They think they have time. They think they have time. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.